Welcome back to the Chicago Tomahawk. I'm Mike, and I've got a new line mate today. I've got Jenna Rose joining me on the podcast today. She's going to give me an interview on her, what she's been up to, what she's doing with the Blackhawks. And uh, it's nice to have, you're actually my first female guest on the on the show. There's been a few others that have lined up, but I sent you a message. You're willing to come on. I'm very, very thankful for you doing so. And, uh, you know, let us know what's going on. How did you get, uh, how did you start your relationship with the Blackhawks? Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I listened to the podcast that you did with my colleague, Jason Ross Jr. And I literally thought to myself, wow, these are very well thought out, insightful questions. So I knew that we'd have some good banter on the podcast. <laughs> Always been a fan. Uh, well, thank you for having me on again. So my name's Jenna Rose. I'm originally from Michigan, so please don't hold that against me. <laughs> um, and I've just always admired the entertainment team for the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, we have Carly Johnston, who's the in-arena host, and Daniela Bruce, who's the team reporter. And they just do phenomenal work. They're um, in-house entertainment. They have intermission live shows, pregame shows, everything that's dedicated just to the arena. And for me, I one day want to do play-by-play, -play, mm -hmm. and I love the opportunity to do ringside now, but I figured for my development that it would be great to get some in-arena hosting under my belt. So a good friend of mine, I was previously working for the United Shore Professional Baseball League in Utica, Michigan, and I was doing some color work in my play-by-play uh, my -play broadcaster. He sent me a message and said, hey, here's a link to the Chicago Blackhawks. I guess they're looking for an Enrita host. So I got excited. I hopped on the train, um, took a chance, brought my resume, and was honestly having an ulterior motive to see if I could get in on the broadcast and the Blackhawks have met me more than halfway and it's just been a crazy journey so far and I'm loving every second of it. Wow, that's awesome. How did you, so what is it about, you know, color commentating or, you know, play by play? What is it that you, that has really brought you to it? Well, probably Jason Ross Jr. would be the first person that I would think of. Originally, I was listening to him in the gondolas at Little Caesars Arena um, practice calling games for the Red Wings. And he would always tell me, uh, I played college softball, so he was always telling me when he would go call some softball games, I'd kind of give him a little inside information or just from previous experience how I felt about the game. And he would always tell me, wow, Jenna, I think you'd be really good in the booth. You have the mind for analyst work. And I was like, ah, oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> and then I met the a voice of the Tigers on radio, Dan Dickerson. And he oh, wow. was all like, oh, I'm tired of this being a boys club. Like you played, you get this, get on in there. I was like, this is like the first time I met him too. And I was like, ah, oh, Dan, I don't know. <laughs> but it's really just been a rush and playing the game of softball I did some analyst work for um, some high school streams back home. It was a lot of fun. Did some baseball for Oakland University and then doing the United Shore Professional Baseball League. I just felt in love. I just fell in love with it. Um, I've always loved sideline doing hits. I thought that was so fun. But to really just be talking to your fans throughout an entire game, calling the action, learning when to deploy information, that process of learning it has been extremely challenging, but also very rewarding. And it's really funny when you think about hockey and baseball, those are just two polar opposites for the <laughs> style that you call games, right? Right. For baseball, it's kind of long. You have to get a little bit creative. You're trying to show everyone that it's an art form for every pitch right. that's coming your way, right? And just some fun banter. And for hockey, you just have to be on the call. It's moving. It's so fast. So of course, my two favorite sports are complete opposites in the styles that you call. But I've been going to a couple of local high school games to practice call, get some 
uh, games under my belt. And that's just kind of been the dream. And sideline has just been a perfect way to get my foot in the door, get to know the players, understand the team, the organization, and try and relay that to the fans and get comfortable on the broadcast. So really, it's just been a hoot and a half. You know, it's really interesting when you – you know, when you talk about broadcasting, it's not just sitting in a chair, getting on into a microphone, putting headphones on and, and, and calling what you see. You know, it's so much more than that. You know, first off, you know, Jason actually brought it up that he likes to learn all of the players and all of the numbers. So when he sees somebody, he knows exactly, you know, who he's looking at, you know, which is really smart because, you know, there have been some other guys who who don't do that clearly and they'll get a name wrong or they'll get, a you know, like a number wrong, you know, where a fan, you're sitting back and you watch. 82 games a year you're like how does he miss that guy that's totally you know debrinket you know <laughs> so um but going further into it you kind of have to study the game study the players and then once you really get get used to that you especially with hockey you have to really kind of study how the game is 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 played in a way you know and I think that it's incredibly difficult. You know, you're using baseball as an example. You know, you can talk slow and and get the, you know, kind of put people to sleep if you talk too slow during the game because it's slower. But with hockey, guys are just going and going and going and, and talking because the action happens so fast. How how do you take, you know, one style from, from the other? Especially, I mean, I would say like probably the analysis is the same, getting to know players and things like that. But how do you change from like, Maybe, you know, from baseball to hockey. Well, that's a very good question because there's a lot that has helped me with my analyst work previously in baseball that just helps me as a rinkside reporter or broadcaster in general. It doesn't even necessarily impact play-by-play. But I guess diving back into baseball over the course of the season, I had to learn how to call games while I had made my own board. So the process of how I want to research, like going to – I mean, I guess it was different for an independent league, but normally you're going through baseball reference, you're looking through different YouTube videos, you're watching previous interviews to try and understand the guys. So not only are you developing your research process, that also impacts the way that you're calling a game. So for me, the first time I sat down to actually call a baseball game, I was learning how to go through my boards. And then I had a pile over here that were my notes. And then over to my left is the flight scope that we had our awesome interns running to identify which pitches are coming and keep records. And then I would have other notes on my laptop and also um, just averages, stats, everything. And then I had my analysts. So it was learning how to navigate that conversation to call there and then also a spare monitor so I can see how viewers are watching it from home. So I'm bouncing between five different things. And that was my first time in the chair. So it was a crazy experience and it was definitely baptism by fire. So now when I'm doing ringside or literally just any kind of broadcasting interview, whatnot with any other sport, but specifically for hockey, I have with me that pattern that I like to do my research, how much time I allow myself to spend on each guy, because you have to be economical with your time. You don't want to get lost in a player. And then it's like, oh, shoot, I only have a couple more hours until I have to go somewhere else. So it's helped me develop how I like to do my research. Um, It's also helpful to still make boards, even if I'm not calling a game, just to understand who the opposing team is and just remembering who we are and still trying to stay strong and identifying players because that's very different for baseball because most of the time you see them without their helmets when they're going out into the field. So it's very different, but you can kind of tell the way by the guys, how they're skating, how they hold their sticks, just their hair, their lettuce (laughs) (laughs) blowing up behind them. Yeah, the flow. 
Um, so it's different, but you're still able to take pieces of, again, like just how you've done your research, how you've analyzed the game and just try and implement that in a different setting. Because for me, I had, um, an awesome talent developer. Her name's Jill Montgomery. And I mean, every week we were just tearing through all the interviews hits that I've done previously in Michigan and we developed a rule book and I would have my cardinal sins of interviewing. So, okay, now I'm kind of going from play by play <laughs> into sideline. Sure. But um, with that, you always want to challenge yourself and you always think, you know, when I watch games, I'm always hearing people ask, you know, how do you feel? What's it right. like? And you think, well, how can I pinpoint a certain emotion and try and bring depth to this interview? So every now and again, you might get caught up in it on the fly and you might ask one of those general questions, but it, it applies for all sports. I guess that's what I'm trying to say here is through that process, if you're becoming a strong interviewer, then maybe if you're not so comfortable in hockey or soccer or whatever other sport that you're going to, you can still have the fundamentals of what makes a good question. And then just always listening to what players are telling you, keeping those saved, uh, writing down what's happening in media availabilities, what you notice from practice, just the emotions of everyone. So those kind of carry on together. I don't know if I just ran my mouth a little bit there. No, no. Any of that made sense, but. <laughs> no, no, no. 100%. Actually, um, the one reason why I would probably say that um, I wanted to interview you was because um, I actually like your post-game interviews. Typically, like you like you directly mentioned that, you know, Kaner comes off the ice and has a hat trick. And a lot of people are like, hey, Kaner, how does it feel to play 1,000th game? You know, after he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. Thanks, everybody. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's. <laughs> really I think that it's really difficult to come up with something that I don't want to say hasn't been said but something that is very pertinent to the to the moment where you're like you know what that's a good question and I've noticed that on on yours that you ask good questions and that was that I'll probably say the main reason why I I wanted to interview you oh, so, thank you I appreciate that it's definitely a lost art form that I feel yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it, it, it goes with all sports. You know, somebody wins a Super Bowl. They're like, oh, hey, Tom Brady, how do you feel after your sixth Super Bowl? You know, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> I couldn't have done it without. Um, let me guess my wife, my kids, you know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, anyways, moving forward. How where how do you see yourself like maybe taking your broadcasting game like to the next level? Is it practice? Is it you know getting and doing games? Like like where how do you how do you actually take yourself to the next level? Because I think if there's aspiring broadcasters listening, I'm sure that they want to know you know how can I get better? How can I get better at my craft? So I think the next step for me is to pay closer attention to what other sideline reporters are doing across the league. And someone that I admire, oh my gosh, is Michelle McMahon. She mm -hmm. is the ringside reporter for the Dallas Stars. And the way that she asks questions, how she conducts herself during her hits with her delivery, I think is something that I really want to strive for and pull inspiration from. So the last time Dallas was here, I was actually able to meet her and ask her questions. And she sent me screenshots of all the storylines she had coming in, different sound bites that she wanted to use throughout her hits. And I was just amazed to see her process. So that's inspired me to take another look at, okay, well, maybe I should be more economical with my time here and really focus more on bringing in more sound bites from players and just to kind of mock others, but also keep my personal spin on it. I think that's definitely the next step in the right direction. Um, it's also frustrating because I don't know if you know, this segment is called inside the locker room. Mm -hmm. We do it every morning um, for home games right after morning skate. 
And it comes to a point at this point in the season where I'm bringing on some of the same guys. And with the lull of the season, there are some of the same storylines and also other ones that are budding. But it can get, I don't want to say a little stale or repetitive, but I think the next step for me in that process too is to kind of find more creative ways to ask questions differently or see if there's any aspects of their personal life that I can bring to it that still fits the mold of giving fans a nice idea of the game preview and what's going on through their heads beforehand. So just trying to constantly evolve because I think there are some people who might be settled in their careers and they don't try to to keep reinventing themselves, um, become new. And that's something that Jason and I speak of a lot, because if you're not reinventing yourself, you're just kind of settling for who you are in the moment. Um, so a lot of my stuff, I'm always, I take a couple days cause I don't want to watch it right away, <laughs> but I'll go back and look at my previous interviews or my hits and say, okay, is there, was I blinking too much? What would I, what do I look like without sound on? So I turn off the sound and just see if I, by my body movements, if I'm blinking, if I'm, you know, I don't know if my lips look weird when I talk, if there's just anything that I can fix. And then I go into the content of what I'm doing. If there's any way I can maybe jazz up or be more economical with what I'm saying, because I want to speak journalistically correct, grammatically correct. And sometimes I speak with a lot of filler words. So I want to get those and eradicate them from the way that I speak. So, because I want to be me when I'm on air, but at the same time I have to be professional. So I'm trying to find, that good blend. So really there's just always things that you can improve on, but I think the first step is to find a very good support system. I mean, I have, you know, talent developers, Jason, um, a couple other friends and other people who work at the organization who are, you know, nice enough to share my work and talk about it with me to see how I can evolve, but also just making sure that I'm taking the time to comb through everything and see how I can be better than I was the day before. I think it's pretty awesome that you have somebody like Jason that that in, in essentially you guys have come up together. So it, you kind of have that camaraderie with each other of something new, something big in your life that that's happening and a big opportunity for the both of you. Um, at what point were was it when you guys were in Michigan that you guys came up to um, Chicago together? Uh, so I believe I want to say that I went to the audition September 17th. Yes. For the in arena position. And I know Jason had kind of had his eye on the Blackhawks for longer than that. So we celebrated for me first. (laughs) I was able to get in. And it's funny because everyone called us the dynamic duo in Detroit because we would literally be going and covering Detroit Red Wings together, uh, the Detroit Tigers together, because we started our own digital show because with COVID, things were starting to move in that direction and opportunities right. were a little harder to come by. So we kind of already had that innate feeling like we just need to go kickstart our own thing. We're going to edit, film, make graphics, do all this. Um, but anyway, so we were just elated for me and then that process. And then for Jason, I can't remember if it was the Blackhawks first or the Big Ten. I think it must have been the Blackhawks when they had that um the release of who would be providing content for the season. But then he moved down here too. And just, um, I think a few months after I did. So it was just truly incredible because in college we'd have dream sessions Mm -hmm. and that sounds a little silly, but I think it was on Fridays when we were in the state camps offices together, we would just sit down and talk about what we wanted to do one day, what we could do together, being on a network, being on air together, that kind of thing. And so it's just so crazy that at, well, we did our first game together on air. We were both 23 back on February 9th. So it was just so crazy that in that moment, we were like, we have just dreamed of this like 
only a few years ago right. and now it's here. Yeah. Um, so I know we're just like super good friends. So we're weirdos. We know our friend anniversary, which was February 8th of 2018. So, you know, move forward February 9th, we're on air together in the number three market on a three game, seven day road trip covering an original six franchise. It's just, it's just mind blowing. And I don't think either of us have processed it. Sometimes I still feel like I'm in Michigan and it's like, no, Jenna, you're in Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just, uh, it's moved very quickly, but I wouldn't want to go through that with anybody else because almost every single gig we had in Detroit, we were probably working together in some capacity. We worked at a Detroit sports and media association where they brought us on as kind of interns, um, young students to get reps in and professional places. And then we worked for a high school sports show together. We created a show for Oakland university and then our baby, which is the motor city roundup where we covered the red wings and tigers. And Oh yeah. And then we worked for sports illustrated too, covering the tigers. So just like, we've done, yeah. And the lions. So we've just done so much together and I think our strengths pair very well. So just to kind of have that person who's been with it through, through everything with you, it's, um, I couldn't be more thankful and more proud of him to see where he is, to be the youngest to do it and inspire so many people. It's, it's really emotional. All right, guys, I got a message for you. The NHL season has been as exciting as ever. As Blackhawks fans, we want more. But as the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for our team means free bets for you. And to be honest, we need every win we can get. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for sure huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Now, if you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use our promo code SHYTOMAHAWK, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code SHYTOMAHAWK at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You gotta be 21 or older, restrictions apply, so see our show notes for details and you know come on guys you can't have any fun until after you turn 21 now jenna you've been a great interview could you tell us if there's been a learning curve since joining the blackhawks thank you yeah um it's been a huge learning curve here i mean i don't know if you want to ask me about this but it was just coming out of school and it being covid i was telling you jason and i our first job was for sports illustrated covering the tigers out of college And right then and there, everything was condensed to Zoom. So we couldn't go into the clubhouse, couldn't go to the dugout before games. And it was really nerve wracking having to learn through that experience without meeting people in person, how to conduct yourself professionally with players and coaches. And then going into the press box and getting to meet other beat writers for the first time because you want to network, you want to meet the broadcasters. And so we were there for one another to go through that process. We did that with DSMA as well when we could cover the Red Wings. And then so for both of us now being thrown here, we have a lot of access to players, but it's very different than the United Shore Professional Baseball League where I could literally, you know, these are guys trying to go pro. So I could still, you know, text them or call them ahead of the game to get some quotes or go downstairs and we'd be on the field and I'd be having them show me different grips they have for different pitches or how they learn different ones. So 
um, it was a cool process, but then you come here and then you have to go through PR and then you're traveling with the team. So you're learning how to manage your own time and your schedule. And then there's long days at the rink for home games and learning how to be on a regional network. So we're just kind of going through different ups and downs there, how to conduct yourself, be professional and everyone in the organization up and down has been more than supportive throughout that process because I think they understand that we're young and eager to learn, but we've tried to accelerate the process of us professionally because we've gotten so many reps in over the last couple of years. I mean, you listen to Jason and you think that he's been calling hockey games for 30 years, (laughs) you know, right? and that's older than what he is. So that's just been a journey all in itself. And all the guys, the players have been super awesome. Same with the coaching staff and just everyone in the organization. So when you were graduating from college, that's when COVID hit? Yeah. So I graduated in 2020. Uh So I believe it was what? It was like March or April. That's when it, when they started canceling games and that's when it all got super crazy. (laughs) Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. You know, that's kind of crazy. Like, you know, you're coming out of, um, you know, you're like, you're in college, you're looking to do this. And then, you know, if somebody would have told you a year ago, like, hey, we need to prepare for an, a pandemic, you'd be like, what are you talking about? A pandemic? Why would we need to do something like that? Do you know what I mean? It's completely out of the realm of possibility. Then a year later, here comes a pandemic and everybody needs to change, you know, what what they were doing. What would you say that you did during that COVID time that um, that kind of got your head straight while you were trying to essentially start your career? So I believe it was a few months before I graduated, I became the digital host of Sports Illustrated's Detroit Lions coverage. And in that sense, my boss was um, very helpful in ensuring that I was like very on time with editing and producing my videos. He challenged me to make sure that I was creating better graphics than I was before and asking more detailed questions when we would have guests on for the show. So that was during a period And I felt extremely thankful because I didn't apply. He reached out to me and my friends would kind of joke around and say, oh, it just seems like jobs fall into your lap. And I'm like, well, no, because throughout that whole process, I was posting videos that I was doing through DSMA as cringy as I felt they were in the time. But no matter how you feel about your work, it's just good to show the world that you're doing it. Like for the first time I did play by play for us PBL, I tweeted out the YouTube link. And I thought, well, this is the worst game I'll ever call because it's the first one. Might as well let people know I'm doing it. And I had um, somebody reach out to me from the AA affiliate of the Twins and was like, hey, you should apply for one of our positions when it comes up uh, next season for um, being in the broadcast booth. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I didn't yes. do that bad. But I kind of, <laughs> yeah, but I, I just think to myself, if I didn't put myself out there with work that I knew like was not going to be my best or oh, I could have done this different, it helped with opportunities. So for the publisher for that Lion site, he's been seeing my work consistently through DSMA and he liked it and he found me. So I was very thankful to have a job during COVID because that's when, you know, games were getting canceled. That's when people were getting let go. The whole sports world was getting thrown on its head. So essentially it was just a lot of digital work, some writing as well. 
So it was nice for me to learn how to manage and go through that landscape of just doing things digitally, not having it be a broadcast or not having it be where you can go to real games because we were talking about football and nothing was happening. Right. <laughs> Which, you know, football is king, so there's always something to talk about, yeah. thankfully. But it was, um, he definitely challenged me and pushed me to do better. And it just really helped me get my foot in the door because then that helped me get um, the publishing job for the Tigers. And by that time, um, this was a little bit fast forwarding a couple of months, then I was credentialed and could come to games when there was no fans. So I was watching baseball with the fake crowd noises in there. And then, you know, I had, I hired Jay to be one of my contributors. So he and I were going and filming at Tigers games when no fans could come in and that experience too. And to have a, you know, we had to do like a report on the fly, um, garden hire retired, <laughs> oh, wow. uh, the manager. So then, you know, we're learning how to do breaking news and to write and to film and just to network and be in those professional settings. So we just really went through the ringer and climbed the ladder fast for these different opportunities and figuring out how to be so well-rounded in a time where previously, if somebody wanted to be on camera talent, then they would just focus on writing or their delivery or how they are on camera, where now for you to get opportunities, you have to be able to film, write, edit, motion graphics. Uh, You have to be able to do so much and be so versatile. And so it's fun because then you can keep those attributes that you've developed and utilize that anywhere in your storytelling or if you want to create other features, content uh, for your organization. Wow. You know, I never really knew that it, that it really had so much, you know, that there's so much, so much into it. And I really tip my hat to you guys. Cause it's, um, it just seems like it's, you, you can't, you're not just preparing for the game. You know, it's like, you're, you're, you've got like five hats on at the, at the same time. And then it comes to a point where maybe you could only wear, you know, one hat and then you can kind of, <laughs> kind of take it a little, take it a little easy. So, so where do you think that you, you see yourself in, in the future? Like where, where would you want to be say within 10 years? Oh, within 10 years. It's hard because I I like the idea of the long game because for me, my goal now in the next five years or so is to be the best uh, ringside reporter in the NHL. So that's where I continuously study others who are in there, develop my craft and um, just continue to fall into my personality and raise my IQ of the game. Um, Hopefully during that time, I'll still be practicing play by play. So I think doing a lot of high school games on the side and hopefully get with a talent developer and just move forward and to see how I can call games. Cause for hockey, you know, that was my first time calling games, practicing um, at a couple of local rinks here. And the hardest part was the memorization. And that's something that you and I talked about earlier in the broadcast. But what's weird is I feel like I can just rattle off, you know, a lineup up and down, but it's, I'm thinking about 40 different guys. Cause in high school, I'm like, well, I don't know who's going in. I don't know right. <laughs> how this is going to go. Yeah. And then while I have the numbers matched to the name, when I would see it on the jersey on the ice, because they'd only warm up for maybe five minutes or so, for some reason it wasn't clicking for me. So then it was hard for me to go in and try and call a game if I was still struggling to remember guys. Right. So then I had to change how I was going about that. So I say, okay, the first period is to get comfortable with who's out there, the numbers and the last names, and not worry about you know different stats or deploying um, biographical notes throughout. And then I would just focus on locators with where the different guys that I can now identify are, and then just try and get a little creative if I'm talking about, you know, if they're passing, if they're stuck on the boards, because in high school, they're stuck on the boards a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so 
it's it's definitely challenging. So hopefully I'll be able to call some games in Rockford for practice, um, not on their streams. But I think while I'm working on that in the next five years, then hopefully in the off season I'm still getting reps. I would love to do some analyst work for baseball and softball, hopefully call a couple games or even sideline. So I'm kind of hoping in that stretch I can develop my craft, keep practicing play-by-play, learn both games. I'm actually in scout school for baseball. I haven't uh, touched it in a few weeks now (laughs) since we've been a little busy over here, but it's just finding different ways to relay information and simplify the game for fans because I'd want to be able to explain that process of what scouts are looking for. And if you kind of just look at the Tigers, I'm just going to use that as an example because that's my hometown team. A lot of what's going on is most of the hope is generated by what's happening in the farm system right now if because most people aren't exactly happy with what's happening out on the field. So to be able to describe to someone what scouts are looking for, what different attributes you can explain, I think I just want to be that person welcoming and teaching for everybody to enjoy the game. And especially for hockey, I think the culture that the league has right now is they're trying to bring in more fans. I think they're doing a great job with the first couple of steps, but it kind of feels like it's a club where you know the game or you're just not going to get it. So I think I want to be that person for Blackhawks fans to kind of help and teach the game and develop a relationship with them. And that's why I love doing the in-arena hosting so much because I don't think there's a sideline reporter in the league that you also get to see during home games that's accessible to you that you can come up, say hi to, take pictures with, play games with on the scoreboard. So... I just I just love everything that I get to do. It's different hats and doing the in arena stuff. I mean, gosh, I love it because I get to fall into my personality more because I get to focus on having fun and play games with fans. And, you know, I'll kind of still try and mess the guys while I'm up there. And it's a lot of fun. So I love being able to one day I'm focusing on my play by play the other day. I'm like, oh, I should probably do, you know, another session in scout school. And then, oh, what's another way that I could maybe you know, make fans laugh today. So it's nice to have um, different breaks from different things because it is very rigorous learning what it's like to work for a team and be on the road and deal with the schedule and trying to develop new storylines. So it's nice to have different outlets where I can have fun and still be around and then you get right back to it and put your nose to the grindstone. Well, Jenna, you've been an excellent interview. I, I really appreciate you coming on and and, uh, and and sharing, you know, your story and, and sharing, you know, how you and Jason came up, uh, your outlook on the game. I, I had no idea that it, you know, that it takes so much to do what you do, you know, and it's really interesting. Uh, I think you bring a lot of insight for you know, the people who listen and it's like, hey, look, these people didn't, don't go, they don't just go out there and stand in front of the TV and just go, you know, like there's so much that goes <laughs> into it. Uh, thank you for, for sharing all that. And uh, I'd love to have you on again sometime. Yeah, I'd love to come back on. Thank you so much for asking me. I had a blast. All right, awesome. Thanks. Thanks.